0: Welcome everybody, good to see you. Well we're up to chapter 3, chapter 3. It's an amazing book isn't it, Ephesians. You know when Paul wrote, when Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, he didn't write it into chapters did he? He actually wrote it as one long letter. And we think Greg, you know, sends us long texts. as I think somebody else said the other day. (laughs) But Paul... Paul, I mean, you think about it. One long letter, that's a long letter to read through. <laughs> that's right. But they divided it up for our benefit, really, more than anything else. And uh, But it just goes to show the flow. When the Holy Spirit is upon someone, like an apostle, the flow that comes out of them is almost unstoppable sometimes, when God's flow is there. The only illustration I could think about is, I don't know whether you've ever had a hose that's, sorta of hooked up to the wall round the corner around there and you're busy hosing something and the end of the hose flips off you know because of the the pressure of the water now because you can't be bothered to go all the way around the the hose and you're trying to hold this thing you try and pick up the end of the nozzle and you try and fit it back onto the thing how many people have tried to do that <laughs> it's not easy is it it's not easy to stop the flow <laughs> <laughs> and it's the same, it's the same thing. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> When, when the when the flow starts to flow, you know, it's it's that revelation. It's like it's really hard to stop. And Paul, when he started to get this download of stuff, it's hard to stop. They, you know, it's not written in chapters. He's just he's just writing. He's carrying it away. And you'll find it because you know, when God starts to speak to you about things, you know, boy, the downloads. It's amazing. But particularly through apostles, when they're trying to, when God's showing and revealing something to them, there's something about the what they're doing and writing it down. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, it says, my, my uh, version here says, they, they have these little titles, and it says, the mystery being revealed and the purpose of the mystery. That's how they've done the chapter. But I thought I'd read from a different version today. I'm going to read from the Worldly Wise Christian Version. For this reason, I, Paul, a free agent in Christ, in other words, I'm free to do whatever I want in his name, need to make sure you have heard of me and my ministry and how my fame has spread all over the world. I have been endorsed by all the big names in Christianity, including the apostles, especially Peter. Did I mention to you that Peter and I are on first-name basis? We're just, we're just like this. It was so humbling to hear how they said that I was one of the greatest apostles of all time to minister to the Gentiles, but I'm sure you don't have to take their word for it, as you probably already know it. It brings such tears of joy and, humbl- and humility to hear such comments, and it is good for you to share in this so that you can participate in honoring me in my ministry, which comes to you at a huge cost and sacrifice. I just marvel at the effort I make for you, which doesn't come cheap as you all know. Therefore, book the top suite at that new Roman hotel. Nothing less will suffice. You know, I know that things are financially tight, but your investment into my comfort will bring you more benefits in the long term. Your suffering for my sake is your reward. As you already know, my scrolls have been the number one best seller <laughs> <laughs> 3 years running. And now my latest, my latest is the best yet, expected to break all records. The people are itching to get their hands on the latest revelation that I've downloaded. It has everything in it to ensure to entertain so don't miss out, and because you're such, such great colleagues, I'm prepared to sell it to you at bargain prices. Buy one scroll free and get, uh, scroll scroll free now, and get one free. Sorry, buy one scroll now and get one free. But wait, there's more. <laughs> if you order a copy before I arrive, you'll also get one personalized, custom-made quill or a tablet that comes with a free hammer and chisel, absolutely free. <laughs> <laughs> well, we may laugh, but the sad reality is that a lot of ministries are based around fleshly pursuits. And they, they plague on the, well, they take off, well, how, how can I describe it? They, they take from people rather than give. I, I've heard of ministers that won't go anywhere unless they get a really good offering. And they're booked in the best hotels. And some of those places can't afford it, you know. And they and they try and get uh, all sorts of things. They they use name droppings. They they try and and get places by saying, "Well, I know so and so," or they'll use this one to get to that one and to get to this one, so they can preach to bigger crowds. What's it all in the name of, though? It really is quite sad, and I've seen it happen. All in the sake of. Well, they call it all in the name of Jesus, but really, it's very, very sad when you see that happening. I remember Martin Steele was saying that uh, you know he used to run conferences in, in Eastern Europe, and how they never charged anyone because you know it was some of those pastors and that could not afford anything. And you remember hearing the story of one young pastor that for him to get to where he was, to the village he was, to the conference they were running on. They were training up these young ministers. And it would take three days to get there. So he had one sandwich to last three days. And for him to have that one sandwich, it meant that his family had to fast and pray for three days because they had nothing else. We don't really know the cost of some of these things that go on. And yet some preachers will go in demanding something, and draining the life, that's what I wanted to say, draining the life out of the people, purely for their own comfort and their own resources. It's really quite sad, and it's very, very fleshly. You see, you cannot build anything from the flesh of any eternal value. At its root system, it's self-centeredness. The desire is to fulfill what God has given them, but in their own strength and in their own way. And to be recognized and accepted. And you know their identity isn't tied up in what they do. What's more upsettingly is that we have taught the people in the body of Christ to pursue exactly that, and we are a product of that today. Isn't that sad? A lot of the things that we've learned over the decades, actually God is uprooting it, because its root source is in self centeredness hence why you have such strong reactions when something comes along and opposes it and God's raising up apostles and prophets that speak the truth and the it, it just hits this it's almost confrontating because you've actually been entrenched in a position for so long and suddenly this thing comes at you No, that's not right. That can't be, because this is the way that I always know it. And because of that, it causes tension. And you get often very strong reactions when the truth is spoken. But it's only exposing what's really in your own life. How many have been exposed before? As God's word goes forth, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just like John the Baptist. When John the Baptist went out, he was preparing the way for Jesus to come. But how many actually listened and changed? Not many. So when Jesus appeared before them, they could not receive him. They couldn't recognize him because he didn't fit the mold of what they had been taught and what they had expected. So the same thing is with the word of the apostles and the prophets. When they bring it forth, does it fit your mold? It's really challenging, eh? Do we reject it or do we receive it? And God's preparing his people right now through his apostles and prophets today. The thing is, can we hear God's voice through the midst of all the noise and the commotion that we call Christian living? Paul the Apostle never lived like how I read it out before. It was totally and utterly and opposite, uh, opposite completely. In fact, he saw these these sort of things happening. He saw and he knew that there would be people that would come that would totally change things away from the true gospel. But let's listen to the real version, shall we? Verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Powerful, is not it? I mean that was sorry, that was a fly that landed in my ear. Paul says, he starts off, for this reason. What is he talking about, for this reason? To understand what he's actually talking about, you have to actually go back to verse 19 in chapter 2, which I'll quickly read. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and whom the whole building being fitted together grows into one holy temple in the Lord in whom you also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. For this reason, you see it all links together, Paul saw a bigger picture. He didn't just say, hey, I'm an apostle. He said, because of this reason, because of what I see, because of what's been revealed to me, I'm prepared to lay everything aside for that. I wonder what we see. Have we begun to see what God is revealing in our day right now? In fact, it's not new. It's, it's actually been there for the, since the foundations of the earth. But God is revealing it to us. But for this reason, I, Paul, <clears throat> I, Paul, he talks about being a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He only mentions it twice in the Bible. Twice. Once in uh, 2 Timothy. Uh, verse 1, verse 8 to 9, it says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us according to his holy call- calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Isn't it a powerful scripture? I mean, how many of us would share in the sufferings? Mm. So Paul wasn't speaking about a physical prison, was he? Although he did experience prison, didn't he? And he experienced a lot of hardships. Second Timothy two nine says, For this, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not. Chained therefore I will endure all things for the sake of the elect. isn't that powerful? Paul's external reality didn't dictate the terms and conditions of his inward internal reality and it's the same for all of us. our internal reality should will dictate what's actually happening out there and if the world is all in here, guess what's going to be dictating you the flesh. And unfortunately, we, you know, as Christians, we often live out of that fleshly realm. And Paul, he's saying, "I'm a prisoner. I no longer belong to myself. I've given it down." That's why he could say, "It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me." Now, that wasn't just a nice saying. Actually, that was his lifestyle. That was who he was. So Paul was talking about a total abandonment of his of himself to the work of Christ. Often he mentions about being a bond servant rather than a, a prisoner. But he, because of what he saw in the Spirit, because of what gripped him in here, he was prepared to lay aside all his own dreams, his own ministries, his own whatever was around him. He totally, suddenly saw God's plan, and his was nothing, nothing in comparison. And, you know, when you start to get, you know, when you start God, sorry, when God starts to reveal things to you, you suddenly see how puny your little desires are. But we've made them such big things. We've set our whole Christian walk and our whole emphasis of life on those things. And yet God's saying, can you let it go? Because, you know, often when we come into his often what you've left behind he will he will bring about in a totally resurrected and different way. Moses is a classic example. And, and when Stephen gives the account of um, Moses, he said Moses knew that he had a call of God. He knew that God had called him to save those people. And so he thought he could do it in his own way. And of course he ends up murdering an Egyptian and then goes running off. Forty years in the desert he loses everything. And then he suddenly has that confrontation with the with the with the bush. The only thing that he's got left of value is his staff. And even that God says, I want you to throw it down. In other words, I want you to be emptied of absolutely everything. Absolutely nothing. Because that one little staff, that one little bit that you hold on to Will actually trip you up later on. And so God is wanting to us to actually lay down what we think we've been called to. And actually, what God are you calling us to as a body? What is it that the apostles are, are actually downloading to us that we can capture in our spirit and walk in that? When you see the bigger picture, everything changes. And Paul had the freedom. To lay it down, to choose as a slave, to give him give his life up for his master, because of love, and we have that same choice, but it has to be revealed to us. We can't do it in our own flesh; it won't work. Paul um, had seen the resurrected Lord in all His glory. You know, when he was going along that road to Damascus, and he had that encounter with God, we think that was the changing point of his whole life. But in actual fact, there's a three-year gap between that and when Barnabas goes looking for him. In that three-year period, God was doing a deep work in him so that what actually was happening is it became his reality. So that when he spoke, he was speaking out of what he was living. It wasn't just a learnt by rote as how he'd learnt before. It was totally had to be undone so that he could come into the revelation and to live by what God was doing in him. So sometimes we think, why are we wasting so much time? Why aren't we getting out there? Why aren't we doing something? Actually, God takes a long time to get this right. And this is the most important part, getting Christ formed in us, the hope of glory. And so we can't rush that work that God's doing. It's so important that he lays the foundation right first. Otherwise, we just go out there and just try and do it in our own strength. You know, I love history. I love reading about all the battles and things like that. I've read lots of history books and things like that. But if you were to speak to Stu, he can actually tell you about what it's like to be in battle. He can tell you what it's like to have bullets racing past his head, to going behind enemy lines and doing all sorts of things like that. Now, I've only read about it, but it's not my experience. But still, he's been there. He's done it. And this is what Paul is talking about. is from a revealed position. And that's what God is wanting to bring us all into, that revealed position, so that the lives that we live it's flowing out of us. It's not a theory in our minds, in our heads. And so Paul clearly saw how rubbish and fleshly his past knowledge was. Sorry, and he, his response was one of total surrender and abandonment to his own will in order to embrace and to come into God's plans and purposes. He was a willing prisoner of Christ, For he had been arrested in the Spirit and he chained himself to Christ, not wanting to stray away from him or to lead his own life. And just as Christ gave up his life for Paul, he too would give his life up for Christ. This could only be achieved through the resurrection power within him. He couldn't do it himself. And we can't either. It has to be revealed and it has to be outworked in us so that it becomes a reality. If we try, as I'm sure a lot of us have in our own flesh, guess what happens? We get frustrated. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. I've tried it and it didn't work. But we have to ask God to be able to do this work. It's about positioning our own hearts before him and spending that time and having the patience for God to do the deep work in us. Remember, he will complete what he started, will he not? To complete that work in us, if we are patient. So the point is really, can we let go of our past Christian accomplishments? Because that's one of the biggest snags of all time. Sometimes we've done lots of ministry and we've done this or we've done that and we somehow have it in a little trophy cabinet. And, and we look at it and we think, wow, that's the pinnacle of what we've done. But in actual fact, that can become a snare to us. And we have to, like Paul, see it as rubbish and let it go. Because otherwise we can't come into what God is wanting us to come into. Because that will always be on our back. And we've put it on some sort of little pedestal. Not, not, not sort of through our own thinking process that we have, but often that takes place. And there's nothing wrong with what you've done in the past, but when we hold on to it, that's when it becomes a problem. Because when the new comes, we can't receive it because we're holding on to this. We have to be able to let it go. And, nothing, and by the way, I'm not saying, and please hear me, I'm not saying all our past things were wrong either. Please hear me in that. I'm not saying that all our past things were wrong. What I'm saying is we can't hold on to them. They've, they've come and they've gone. They've served their purpose for that time. And often when we lay it down, God will help us to pick other things up. Very similar to that, but in, his, in the way that he's defined it, not us. And that's really important. He's got to redefine everything. Otherwise, we'll just try and pick something up and do it exactly how we did it before. Like Paul, we have to let it go in order to enter the new. It's like the old wineskins and the new wineskins. It just doesn't fit. And all it ends up is being wasted. Then Paul goes on about, Have you heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you? The word dispensation means the administration of a household or estate or stewardship. And that's what apostles do. They administer the estate or the inheritance of what God the Father has given them for us to come into. Isn't that powerful? So they download it, they're giving it to us now if we're prepared to receive it. It's not for them to hold on to, it's for them to actually release to the body. That's what true apostles do. Sorry, Paul wasn't trying to promote himself when he said that. You know, it sounds very, you know, when, he, when you read that, have you heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you? He wasn't saying, hey guys, have you heard how great I am? It wasn't that at all. But he's saying to them, have you heard of what God is doing through me for you guys? This is for you. And you can only receive it if you actually accept it and receive it through the gifting of my life. And often, if we discount the man, if we suddenly, oh no, it's only him, or it's only her, it's only whoever, we can't receive what God is trying to do through them. So Paul wasn't being arrogant, he was just saying, hey guys, have you woken up to this reality? Because there's so much more for you guys to come into, but you can't unless you learn to how to receive it. So actually it was done in a very humble way. It wasn't done in an arrogant way. Can we recognize the gifting God has imparted through a human vessel for our benefit? So often we see the man or the woman and we can become so familiar with them that it stops us from receiving the impartation God is downloading through them whether it is Greg or Vera or Mel or Sandra or Sam or Paul or our discipleship leaders, can we honor one another? Can we honor one another? It doesn't matter. It's not about positions or titles or anything else, but can we honor in love each other? Whether it's the person on the door or whoever. Mm There's a whole thing about honoring that is so important for us to receive what God is doing through them. But sadly, I've seen the opposite in so many ways happen when people just rubbish people. It's amazing the power of the tongue, but it actually blocks and stops us. Last year we had a whole series on the fivefold ministry that talked about the giftings. And the callings that God places on certain people to carry out what God desires us to, uh, for His people to come into, there is a gracing upon them to function in a certain way. That's really, really important. Can you remember some of what is the gracings that the apostle has been given? Can you yell them out? Sight, yeah. What else? Building, yes. Foundations, there's a whole heap more. Sorry, yes, the administrating the inheritance, yes, blueprints, yeah, downloading the revelation that God gives them, the blue pair, blueprints of God, yeah, what else. What about they carry the Father's heart? Do they not? They're foundational layers. um, They help spiritually blind and deaf to see and hear. They awaken the body to a new living reality. They actually have to destroy the old foundations and uproot in order to replant. Therefore they undergo or they speak the truth and they're not always well-received. They awaken the body. They're often misunderstood. They undergo immense pressure and persecution, especially from within the body. That's only some of it. But do you understand the importance of what the apostles and even the prophets play, the role that they have in downloading what God is showing them and imparting it to us? That's our inheritance. They're, they're releasing it to us if we can hear it. It sounds so basic and yet it is often such a struggle in the Christian body to honor each other and to receive. And it comes down you know it comes down to a familiar spirit. Oh it's only it's only Vera. It's only Greg. It's only Paul. It's only it's only this it's only that. And it's rampant in the body of Christ today. Rampant and guess what? The Pharisees did exactly the same thing. Oh, it's only so and so. When Jesus spoke the word to them, suddenly the Pharisees and the people that were sitting around there, wow, we've never heard this spoken this way. <coughs> they you know, Jesus spoke with authority. Teachers in their days didn't speak with authority, they often quoted such and such a teacher or this teacher. Well, they expounded on the commentaries of this and that. They couldn't speak with real authority, but when Jesus got there, he opened the word and he spoke. <coughs> because he was the living word before them. And in here, suddenly their hearts are pounding. Wow, this is amazing. Wow, where did he get this from? We've never heard anything like this before. And then within a quick... Hang on a minute. This can't be right. He's a carpenter's son. We know his family. He's a Nazarene. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And suddenly, shoop, this wall comes up and they can't receive. And sadly, it stops everything that happens. I just, the other day, I, I hope you don't mind, Paul, I, I recorded. A, uh, a conversation between um, uh, Paul, Paul Costello here, and Mike Hewittson. So I wonder if you could play that for me, please. That was wonderful. Bravo! I loved that. It. That oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good. It though. could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get them away! Hey, boo! Boo! <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to pick two older gentlemen. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Paul. <laughs> but <laughs> 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 but you you understand? Did you hear that clip loudly enough? Did you hear it? They were the two old Muppet mens, and how they start off saying, wow, this is wonderful, this is great. Actually, that wasn't that great, and, you know, it gets to the other end. There was terrible boo. You know, so it's the same thing with the familiar spirit. Yes, you can jump up and down, and then suddenly, you know, close it off. Just like that. Just within a moment. I mean, that was a 15-second clip. You know, we can do the same thing in the spirit. When we hear something, wow, that's great. Gone. Oh, no. Shut off. It's that quick. When we harbor things in our heart towards somebody else, this wall just goes up, boom, straight out like that. We have to repent. We have to give it all over to God and say, God, I want to see how you see. I may not understand all this, but I want to surrender to your ways. and Not just see... Not see the person, but see. But when you do it in love, you suddenly realize actually you honor the person. Love's the key, eh? Sometimes it's not even been spoken, but it's a root system in the heart. You know what that root system is? Pride. Man, that's a deep root. Pride. And it's in all of us. It's in all of us. I know it was in me. Because when you hear somebody say something and you don't want to recognize it, you know, who are they? How can they say that? And you put them down. And I've done that many, many times before. And yet I've had to repent. I've had to allow God to break me so that the pride has to go. It has to be broken in all of us, and love and honor has to come in. Paul, in, and in most fact, most places, all the apostles and prophets, they were all treated terribly. All treated terribly. Moses, who are you to lead us? Yet he led them out into the wilderness. He got them through uh, all those plagues. He got them through the, the Red Sea, and he gets them into the desert. And who are you? What? Paul, by his own admission, was not a great speaker. He didn't have the flair that others had, nor the popular vote. He was often misunderstood, put down, hated, accused, written off, and yet no one could deny the power and the authority God, uh, God gave him that he carried within him. He was not just able to speak the words. His whole life was a demonstration of what he said, and that is the key difference. There's plenty of speakers out there that are very, very talented. They can whip up a storm. They can entertain. They can do all sorts of things, and yet there's the lack of power and the lack of life in them. And the people can come away with a buzz in their spirit, but actually nothing has changed. Yet if we were to choose Paul, I wonder how many of us would have. We would have written him off. He didn't fit the mold. He was a bit of a troublemaker. He even had blood on his hands. You know, he didn't have the good looks of John. He probably didn't have the physical appearance of Peter. Now, people described him short and bald. So you're tall and bald. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, no, no, not quite. <laughs> well, well, you're not quite bald, you know. <laughs> Yet Paul was called before the foundation of the earth, wasn't he? He was called before the foundation of the earth. God saw him before the world was made that he would be doing exactly what he was doing. We often overlook that. We can't see it because of our fleshly mindsets. It's only this person or that person. And we we miss it, yet God saw them before the foundation of the world and called them to that position. It's not a man thing. It's God's calling. What was foolish in the eyes of the religious world was in truth, God's wisdom being outworked. As a result, Paul's life has impacted generations and billions of people worldwide. But this is the point. Do we recognize the apostolic call that rests on Greg's life? It's as simple as that. Do we recognize it? Do we recognize the prophetic anointing on Vera's life or on Ingrid's life? What about the pastoral gift that is on Paul's life or the teaching gift that's on Sam's life or Mel's life or Sandra's or others do we recognize that's really really important if we are to receive because how does God build he builds through the fivefold ministry and there's lots of other giftings as well which are as important but these are the building tools that God works with. What if Paul was to stand right in our midst today? Now, I mean, Peter, when he was saw, um, actually Greg mentioned it this morning, but when Peter saw the transfiguration, he saw Moses and he saw Elijah, and he recognized them. That's amazing. He's never met met them before but they they he recognized them so imagine paul coming in here and we uh, sorry not you paul (laughs) but recognized him i wonder how we would treat him we probably treat him with treat him with awe and wonder oh this holy man of god wow we would never have treated him like they treated him back then isn't that true Guess what? As I said before, that's exactly what the Pharisees did. We would never have treated uh, or killed the the prophets of old. We would never have done that. But Jesus was standing right in front of them and they were trying to crucify him. <laughs> so what about the messengers God sends to us? Do we want to kill them? <laughs> Do we want to bless them? Do we want to receive from them? Do we want to, how, how do we want to receive them? It's interesting, eh? Because where is the most friction? Outside the body or inside the body? It's inside the body. What's going on here? Can we see all these things happening? And it's usually because of the flesh. It's usually because of the pride within us. It's usually because of what we hold on to on the past, and we've got these rigid things that we've held on to that we can't let go. So then when it's challenged, we can't receive it because of that guy. He's upsetting my world, or she's upsetting my world. Uprooting us is uncomfortable. And yet it's exactly what God's called an apostle and a prophet to do. Uproot us. And it's our little roots are wiggling like this. (laughs) (laughs) It feels uncomfortable, but God is planting us and rooting us into him. <laughs> and of course, when, as, as Greg said this morning, what did God say to Peter when he started saying, oh, let's build, oh, I'll build one tabernacle for all three of you, one for, and he s- just talked right over the top, as Greg said. And he said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. In other words, stop what you're doing. The natural response was to build something, to do something, to work something out, and to lift them up on a pedestal. God didn't ask for, for Elijah and Moses to be lifted up on a pedestal. See, we're not trying to lift these ones up on a pedestal at all. And Paul never wanted to be lifted up on a pedestal. There, nothing entered his mind at all. It's pure. When when we talk about honoring and loving each other, we're actually, it's a, it's a state of heart. It's how we treat each other. It's in Philippians, I think, is a really beautiful verse. Philippians 2, verse 3 to 4 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests but also for the interests of others. And it goes on about the mind of Christ. You see, we have built about the fivefold ministry as this up there. And they can't be touched. We've put them on pedestals. And so they're they're sort of, we're the people on their way out there. But that's not how God actually builds. They're actually down here. They're the servants of the people. They've given their lives for Christ. They've given their lives for you because they love you. See, when you exalt people up like there and you put them on a pedestal, that's the worldly way of doing it, and that's the worldly Christian way of doing it. And yet God never called people to be up there at all. And you know, God is doing something that's so beautiful. When when the fivefold have died to themselves and given their lives to him and to each of you, that the body suddenly catches that whole thing and then they start doing it. The whole thing is reproduced over and over and you end up with a body loving each other because self has had to go. Such a different concept. So Paul wasn't promoting himself and we're not trying to lift people up in this church on pedestals either. But they're here for you, for your servants, if you can receive what God has placed in their hearts. It's a beautiful picture when you look at it. But can we trust what they bring? I've heard and I've had conversations, you know, well, I just don't know. You know, they could be leading us down a garden path and we don't know. And people have been stopped because of fear in their hearts. Well, this is, when you look at it, the Bereans, and how did they receive the word? It actually answers something very, very powerfully. In Acts 17.11 it says, These were far more minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether things were so. And 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as word as the word of men, but in, in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. And the difference, that, I mean, here the Pharisees in John 5.39, they searched the Scriptures too. What was the difference? One, Oh, actually, that can't be right. So they go to the Word to disprove it. The other, actually, I'm not sure about that, but boy, let's find out if it is right. And so they start searching the Scriptures, asking God, can you reveal this to me? And boy, they were able to come into the life of what Paul had been speaking because they received it. Now, they just didn't take it on head and say, oh, actually, we believe it straight away. They said, well, let's search it out. And if you're unsure, guess what you should be doing? Praying it through and saying, God, help me to understand. Show me, reveal it to me. But you come with an open heart rather than, no, I don't believe that and I'm going to prove it wrong. Because already you've shut it off. You can't receive it. It has to come through revelation. And Paul talks about that revelation, doesn't he? It it was revealed to him and it has to be revealed to us. Otherwise we can't. But here's another trap. And I fell into this trap. You know, you can go chasing revelation for revelation's sake. And yet can actually miss it. What's it all about? It's about him. And you can go seeking for revelation, revelation. All it's doing is actually adding to your knowledge base. And nothing gets changed here. God does want to reveal things to you, but you go seeking after him, not revelation. And when you go seeking after him, revelation comes. We've got it totally around the wrong way and twisted. And I was in that camp. I loved having revelation of God and the word speaking, but it became more of a knowledge thing. And I was pumped up with all sorts of things. What does it feed? It feeds our flesh. That was a hard one to swallow for me. (laughs) Again, God had to break that out of me. You seek him and revelation will come. In verse 5, back in Ephesians, it talked about the Holy Spirit revealing the mysteries of God to whom? In verse 5. He revealed them by his spirit too. I can't hear you. Thank you, Shirley. (laughs) Apostles and prophets. Now that's quite important, don't you think? Stone silence. (laughs) It is. Why? Do you think God's changed his method? He still builds the church his way. And if he's going to build it his way, he's still going to operate through apostles and prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. Or do we know everything that's there and there are no mysteries to be revealed? And this is a trap in verse 6. Look at this. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. Yippee, it's a salvation story. And we stop there. It's all about getting people saved and saving the whole world and doing the same thing and getting them to do the same thing over and over again and preaching the same message about salvation right the way through the Bible. All the Bible's is about salvation. It's true. You know, (laughs) evangelists only see the the Bible as as a salvation book. I mean, that's how God's wired them. But there's more, and we can miss it, and we can stop right there, and we can stop going to the next bit. And somehow we've reduced the mysteries of God into a little box of what we think it is. Well, that's it. It's all about salvation. I've, I, I've been a Christian a long time, and that's, I know it all now. And so somebody comes along with a, a revelation. You think, oh, well, yeah, but that, that doesn't fit my little box. And so it bounces off us because we can't receive it. See how we can put God in a little box? And it's all about protecting that little box. And it becomes more than just a little box, I'll tell you. (laughs) But is God so small that he can be contained in a little box? No. It's huge. God is so big. I mean, he created the universe. He created everything. He's got so much more to impart to us. There's nothing worse and nothing sadder than seeing a, a Christian in their older days And all it was about was about salvation, and they're bored. And they haven't come into the life of actually what God was bringing. And there's so much more. There is huge amounts. And how does He reveal it? How does He reveal it? Through the apostles and the prophets. (coughs) Are you beginning to pick something up here? (laughs) I'd write it on the board, but you probably wouldn't be able to read my writing. So what does it mean to become partakers of his promise? That was the second part. Partakers of his promise. And I've been a Christian over 30 years. And at one stage, I thought I believed I had it all. And I thought it was that, exactly that. It's amazing how it's a mentality that becomes a stronghold in you. But it has to be broken. And it had to be broken in me. I had to get frustrated before it was broken in me, and it had to be challenged. it had to be you know rewired my thinking. it's a totally different mindset it's a totally different operating system when you start to understand and begin to see what God is doing and boy, I think I've only seen less than less than that, and that that's already blown my little mind out <laughs> And God is so much more. And it's the same for all of us. God is a good, good father wanting to show all his children what he really wants us to come into now and for eternity. So, am I an apostle? Nope. Are you an apostle? Nope. So do we recognize and honor the people who carry that gracing in our midst? So important, Ephesians clearly show us how God builds the church using the fivefold ministry, the whole building fitting together. It's a beautiful picture when we start to see it. So, if God has been revealing these mysteries through His apostles and prophets to us, what has He been saying to this church, to this family, over the last 10 years? Anyone? What's the revelations that God's been imparting to this house over the last 10 years? That he builds the church, yeah. Knowing him, yeah. Learn to love each other, absolutely. Come on, guys. Over 10 years. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, seek first the kingdom and all these things. Eternal purpose, yep. Yeah. Come on. Discipleship, yep. Yeah. The bride of Christ, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Any more? Love him. Identity, yep. Yeah. Not now what we do, but in who we are in him. What about what Grace been saying recently about being found in him? Keith, you were going to say something? Yeah, we can't do any of this. We can't change ourselves. We can't do anything of, this of ourselves. It has to be him doing this genuine work in us. What about rest? How many of us thought earlier rest was a physical day of rest? Are you starting to hear the picture of what's been happening in this place? And yet we can have a feast out there and say, Ah oh, yeah, there's another good message, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years can go past. Oh yep, yeah, that was another good message. You know what I mean? But actually when we receive it, if we were to receive just one-tenth of those messages and allow them to apply to our lives, think what a different place this would be. But there's such a huge smorgasbord out there in this house waiting for us to receive it if we want to. Can we? Will we? Can we recognize what God is doing in this place and how he builds? It may not be how you decided or thought it was going to be done, but God's ways are far higher than our ways and his gifts are irrevocable. I'm just so... Incredibly thankful for what God has brought us into. You know, I think of the things that I've, I look back over my life, and I see how God has intercepted me at certain points, and how he's brought me into that place of, actually, my heart needed to be totally radically changed. I had to have new eyes to see. I had to humble myself. He he humbled me. (laughs) It was one way or the other. But there's so much more here for us to come into. And we could be out there just doing Christianity, doing a whole lot of running around here, there and everywhere, running up and down, wearing ourselves out. You know, it grieves me because I look back and I was part of a church that left a whole pile of people on a heap. When they were worn out, they were dumped because they were used for what was convenient at the time to fulfill a ministry. But that's not how God works. And when you come into the, the truth and the reality of his love, you see things so differently and you look back. I know it grieves my heart. I know it grieves the Lord's heart. But we're in a loving body that actually is doing something very beautiful in this place but it needs to function how God designed it to be so I pray you can take tonight and actually look at the questions but also prepare your hearts for what God really wants to do in you and the questions that we have there today it's actually the last one that I really want you to have a look at if you have more time you can skip out some of the other ones but it's the last one What is the revelation that's been brought in this place? And how is it affecting you? And can you receive what the grace and the gifting is on the people that God has anointed for that task? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. and We are so privileged. Sometimes we don't even see it. And we can miss what you're doing. But Lord, we want to be a body that grows in love, in honor, honoring each other, not just those with gifts, but when we love and honor each other, we can receive from each other. So I just pray that, Lord, that familiar spirit, the pride that comes around us all would be broken, that we would come into the life of who you are in us. May we be found in you, Christ being trans, trans, transforming us from the inside out. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gifts that you've given this church, this body, and we pray that we would grow together. May the world look and look and see us and say, Wow, that has to be God. And everyone said, Amen.